Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, my thanks to John Paul for sitting in for the last uh, two weeks while I was away on my uh, annual summer leave. And as with all of us, it's all about staycationing now and holidays just have a very different feel to them than the frantic nature of packing up, getting to the airport and going abroad. And, you know, something there is something really relaxing about not having to do that travel side of the holidays. So I have to say I had a lovely, relaxing time. Didn't do much uh, the first week, but I spent uh, last week exploring the Mizzen Peninsula. We based ourselves in uh, Skull and uh, went around. And every day, definitely the weather gods uh, were with us. We did see some rain, but a very small amount of rain. But nearly every day we got spells of sunshine. There was days where we had clear blue skies. And I have to say, down in West Cork, we are so blessed to have some of the most stunning, breathtaking scenery. I think every single day I would spot something that almost took my breath away. Or you'd come around a corner when when you were in the car and you'd see something and go, oh, isn't that magnificent? And I took photographs during last week and they are picture postcard some of the photographs and there were some particularly on days where we had clear blue skies where honest to God the pictures at the beach I could have been on any beach in the Mediterranean it was just it was really really uh, superb and I got out to get up close and personal with the dolphins we did the Baltimore Sea Safari that's just such a f- glorious experience and of course you always take the chance when you go out on any of those sort of boats that you might be lucky enough to see dolphins or you might be lucky enough but we were blessed and we got dolphins right beside our boat and they were almost playing with each other and just such gorgeous gorgeous uh, creatures and from a really fun thing to do if you are uh, planning a holiday in West Cork or you want to do a day trip we did tubing in Smuggler's Cove in uh, Ross Carberry that was such a great bit of fun and the one thing I noticed on the day that we were there it's it's a very much a family event but the amount of dads that were getting involved in the tubing and the dads were really, really enjoying themselves to see grown men laughing out loud as they went down in big inflated tubes down large slides was truly joyous. It it, re- it really was. So I had a wonderful, wonderful uh, break and hi to everybody that I met in uh, Skull. And I don't know what it is about West Cork, but whenever I go there, I always just feel... I feel at peace. I can't quite explain what it is about West Cork, but it we are we are blessed that we have 
such gorgeous areas in this country, particularly at a time like now when we can't, I know some people are travelling abroad, but when it was, we're not being really encouraged to travel abroad, and not even that, as I say, some people are going away on holidays, but others just don't, don't feel comfortable about going away on holidays. And I know it was a decision that myself and the hubby had to make probably earlier on in the year. And then even when we got to the stage where we were both fully vaccinated and Marsha was fully vaccinated, we sort of looked again and, you know, would it be worth going away from? and maybe maybe getting a break uh, away and then we made the decision no that certainly for this year like last year we're not going to be travelling anywhere and I think my my one big risk about travelling abroad and I've heard this back from other people that have spotted and, and seen certainly on social media is that if you travelled somewhere and everything was fine when you headed out on your holiday but then for some reason there was a spike in COVID cases in the area where you were and the travel restrictions changed while you were abroad. Like for example I had a friend of mine who went to the south of France uh, from the UK and as soon as he landed or arrived in, in the south of France the UK had changed the restrictions around it and it meant that when he came back he had to self-isolate for 10 days and that wasn't part of his plan when he travelled out. So I would be nervous about that but also what happens if you go on holidays and you vaccinated or unvaccinated some of the some airlines are insisting for example that you take a PCR test and we know even if you're fully vaccinated you could take you can still pick up COVID and what would happen if you were travelling abroad and one of us got COVID and then couldn't fly back. So we sort of weighed it all up and said no we'll stay in Ireland and as I say we are blessed to live in such a beautiful country with such breathtaking scenery and we here in Cork don't even have to travel that far. Uh, so uh, so as I say, as I started out by saying thanks to John Paul for sitting in and filling in for me last week and talking of people who are planning on travelling abroad and I know for those people listening who have loved ones abroad and want to go home to say to see family, people who are living in Ireland but you know are from other countries and haven't been home, haven't seen family members you know, for many people now, haven't seen loved ones overseas for two years. And I know when you're fully vaccinated, you want to get on a plane, you want to go home and see your, your loved ones. So I do very much appreciate and very much understand that. But there's a bit of a problem with passports at the moment. And I know last week when I was off, John Paul said that they were getting a number of calls in about delays with getting a passport. Now, the Department of Foreign Affairs have issued a statement saying that nobody should make travel plans until they have their passport in their hand. It seems there are people booking flights. Then they realise their passport is out of date. They go to try and get their new passport and it doesn't arrive in, in time. Passport applications are applicants have been warned. There's delays of up to eight weeks. There's a backlog now of 95,000 applications. Now, did we predict this was going to happen? Yes, we did, because we knew that when the passport office closed and they stopped accepting new applications, we knew that the applications that arrived in were just being left there for when the workers would go back. They'd have to plough through all of those applications first. So there's about 95,000 in the backlog. Now, it's a flood of last minute submissions also is the reason that there are so many in the backlog. As soon as the travel restrictions were lifted, people started to say, I need a passport. So that's added to the uh, the, uh, backlog. So, 
And what when I was looking into this at the weekend, what seems to be the particularly for the eight week delay is for people getting a passport for the first time. So that would include somebody getting maybe a baby's passport, a child's passport uh, for the first time. There seems to be bigger delays there. The more straightforward online applications. We certainly have heard from some people who applied online and they had their passport back with, within five days. So if you're doing it online, you could be lucky enough to have it back within a very, very short period of time. But applications that have to be physically sent into the passport office can take and is taking up to eight weeks. So you need to be aware of that. And as they say, the Department of Foreign Affairs are saying to people, do not make any travel plans until you have your passport. 1850 Spotted a gorgeous survey today that kind of kept me in mind with holidays and summertime and things that we did when we were children growing up and things that happened like when I was talking to Ken about buying a stick of rock when you're in holidays and this taste of a stick of rock it is really something that will bring you back to uh, your childhood. It seems the smell of freshly cut grass eating 99 cones on a sunny day and the rush to the beach after a spell of rain. They all rank as some of the most popular Irish summer memories. There was a poll done of a thousand adults from across the country asking them what stands out when you think about holidays in your childhood or holidays when you were growing up. And 48% of people said it's the classic summer smells that will all you, always bring you back. The cut grass, the, cut, the smell of cut silage, the smell of barbecues. They all have that nostalgia-inducing memories. And certainly for me, whenever this grass being cut and if you know you walk out a front door and your neighbours are cutting the grass it just straight away transports me back to the summers of my childhood then outdoor eating and drinking on a hot day now that's something we're obviously all becoming very accustomed to at the moment that's another cherished memory from childhood 41% of people cited that then sunbathing in your own back garden or in a local park is another happy memory for many many Irish people and this survey was conducted online on behalf of Lotto Land and they also flagged summer romances and practising sports that you watched on TV such as tennis from Wimbledon as other fondly recalled memories and that's something when I saw that in the survey I was thinking do you remember that you got the two weeks of Wimbledon and then everyone in the neighbourhood had the tennis rackets out and everybody was out uh, playing tennis and another one certainly in my neighbourhood would have been when the show jumping was on from the the RDS and we would set up in our back garden there would be jumps set up and of course you were the jockey and you <laughs> and we have somebody doing the, the commentating so that is one of those things I don't know if children today still do it we've had the Olympics I don't know if that was encouraging people to get out into their garden and to get involved in uh, sports but top of the list is the smell of cut grass evoking popular memories of summers when we were children Greta was on when I mentioned the delays with the passports but if you're applying online it does seem to be a very efficient uh, service and here's proof Greta said my husband applied for his passport online and we couldn't believe it. It arrived in the post the following day. Ah, I see. Yeah, it seems to be if you physically need to send in the items, it seems as if any kind of a complicated passport or any kind of a new passport, but certainly for renewals, you do seem to be able to do it. They, they seem to be very efficient at getting them back out. But again, Department of Foreign Affairs saying if you are planning on travelling, then don't 
travel unless you have that passport in your uh, grubby little paws is the message coming in from the Department of Foreign Affairs and hi to Dee in Goline when she heard me talk about exploring the Mizzen Peninsula she said you passed my door you could have called in for a cuppa thanks for that Dee and that, actually that's one thing that I'm, I meant to mention when I was talking about what a great week I had last week down on the and the Mizzen Peninsula. The only one thing that I could fault out of the in, entire time we were, we were away was trying to find some place uh, to eat, especially during the day and say around lunchtime. A lot of the restaurants and gastropubs are still only doing outdoor dining, which means everybody is scrambling for the same amount of seats and there's queues everywhere you go. And that became a bit of a problem for us uh, last week. Now, whatever about me and the husband queuing, when you have a special needs child with you who wants her lunch, it's kind of difficult to, as I always say to people, Marsha was never born to queue. She doesn't really understand the queuing part of anything. And it always be, and it did become a, a difficulty last week trying to find uh, some some place. So hopefully with more establishments starting to open up indoor dining for the vaccinated it might then free up more of the outdoor spaces and there won't be such a backlog that so so d if i'd known you were home i could have called in for the for the cuppa uh, thank you for that uh, hi patricia this is more in bantier just to say a big thank you to you john paul and everybody involved in the play c103 competition for the smart speakers i received mine in the post last week i'm delighted with it says Maura in bantier so much easier now to play c103 thank you for that and more and glad to know that your smart speaker arrived safe and sound. Staying on the thank yous, I had an email in from Gus Murphy saying, would I give a shout out and to pass on Gus's sincere thanks to whoever found Gus's wallet. He lost it somewhere in Domamwe. Some very honest person found the wallet, went straight into the Garda station in Domamwe handed it in there and either Gus made contact with the Dunmanway Garda station or the Dunmanway Garda station tracked Gus down but Gus got his pass his wallet back safe and sound but he obviously doesn't have a name of who the person was who handed in that wallet and I love to hear those really really honest uh, stories you'll get nothing but good karma back from that to do something like that so well done and thank you Gus for taking the time out uh, to send your email in to Patricia at c103.ie Cork Today on C103 With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk CMIG.ie With more and more people struggling to find rented accommodation it seems some are prevented from speaking out about abuse at the hands of their housemates Raising our concerns is Mary Crilly Director of the Sexual Violence Centre Cork Good morning to you Mary Morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. That This is truly worrying. Are some people simply too afraid to speak out for fear of losing the roof over their heads? I think it's fear of kind of losing a deposit, fear of losing your premises, fear of losing somewhere to live, but also kind of um, wondering was it all their fault anyway and are, are they making a big deal out of it? Um, like it wouldn't be uncommon over the years for a young girl or a young guy to come in and say he'd been assaulted by a, a flatmate. It wouldn't happen very often, but it did happen. But it's more and more common to us now who said it happened during COVID where they felt really trapped and where they blame themselves because some of them said, I really could have gone home before lockdown, but um, I didn't want to be at home on my own with family. So I stayed here feeling very safe. Um, and I mean, most of the times, I think when, when young girls did stay in apartments during COVID, they did feel very safe. They did mix with their housemates. But there are 
perpetrators out there. And for them, unfortunately, it was something, it was a breeding ground, really. And if you look at um, housemates, say there's eight in a house, which there could be in some of the bigger houses, and a young girl says she's been raped by somebody, the others don't know how to deal with it. They don't want to know about it. And they kind of try and get rid of her, try and get rid of the problem. Um, but another worrying thing I find is I got a counsellor um, called the other day. Sometimes counsellors do call looking for information about how to support clients. And more and more of them kind of saying to me that they have come across young girls who have been raped. But they will kind of say, but I think the guy didn't realise what he was doing. This oh. is what the counsellor is saying. This is what the counsellor is saying. There seems to be a disconnect between, you know, his behaviour and what he really intended doing. And I nearly lose the will to live like when I hear that kind of stuff because you know we need to keep saying that the majority of young men are good guys they're not doing this they wouldn't dream of doing this um, but the ones who are doing it are consistent and will keep doing it and will do it because they can because they feel like it there's no kind of big deal about kind of some um, psychological problem they have they do it because they can because they want power and they want control and I just despair if I hear somebody coming on or coming in and saying that they had a young girl in for counselling but they're not really sure um, if she was really raped or did she really say no, all this kind of stuff is out there. So for a sexual predator, the pandemic and the restrictions around it has almost become a perfect stomping ground for them. It has. Like, like you know, as you would have um, had Yana on in the past talking about domestic violence, the way that really upped um, during COVID because women were really trapped and men who were in the situations really trapped where there was no um, leeway out, there was no bringing the kids to school, there was no way of getting the guy out for a drink or with his friends or um, to work or anything. They were totally trapped, totally um, caught up in that. Could there be an element of grooming involved? Uh, always, always, because the guy, you know, the, the, what I find about the perpetrators, they don't just groom the victim, they groom people around them so when somebody does say, John or Paul or Michael or whoever it was, raped me, and he's usually the good guy in the apartment, that somebody would say, no, he couldn't. He couldn't. He's not capable of that. He couldn't do it. Um, you're wrong. You're mixing it up. Maybe you really want it. Maybe he pushed too far. Maybe he didn't realise what you were doing. But he, he has them totally persuaded. There's no way under the sun he would do it. Or if he does admit it, he'll probably say something like, I didn't realise you didn't want it. Um, I thought you wanted it. Oh, my God, this is awful. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Instead of just owning up and saying, I did it. Most victims, you know, will say that they wouldn't go to court if the guy just came up and said, I'm sorry I did it and this is why I did it. Because there is a huge question mark over their heads. Some people for the rest of their lives saying, why me? Why did they pick me? What did I do? What did I say? Um, is it because I didn't want to be with him and I told him to go away? Or is it because I was all over him and I wanted to be with him? Just, they're in a no-win situation. Yeah. And then, but but in that house share situation, which as you say, you can have up to eight people uh, sharing a house. We need the other housemates to open up their eyes and see what's going on and call it out for what it is. It's exactly what you said there. Just call it out. They do see what's going on, but they need to call it out and stand up and look at it for what it is. Um, we need to be involved in situations. We need to make changes and we need to stop. Like bystander programs that are going on in UCC and that's about standing up and being counted, not kind of slinking away and maybe years later remembering and thinking I should have done something back then. We need to stand up because we need to stand up for all the guys who aren't doing it as well because they're not doing it and then the ones who are doing it, we need really to call them out. 
So what's your advice to anybody listening, Mary, who either has been in the situation you're describing or worse is currently in that type of situation? I think please call us. Please call somebody. We'll try and get help to get you out of the place. We'll try and enable you to get your, your, your money back or find somewhere else where you to live because it's really impossible to go through another college year living in that situation. You won't be able to study. You won't be able to relax. Um, you won't trust anybody. You won't be able to sleep in your bed. So don't take it. Don't believe that you can't get out. We will help you wherever way we can to get you out, not just through counselling, but financially or whatever is needed. We will use any resources we have to help you. OK. All right, Mary, listen, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Mary Crilly, who is director of the Sexual Violence Centre in uh, Cork, which, which would be a really worrying trend if there's a lot of that going on. Uh, young girls and young boys as well fearful of speaking out about sexual abuse in the house share situation because they're they're fearful of you know where where are they going to live how are they going to get another rented uh, accommodation 1850 and just a query that came in from James in Bantir and John Paul has looked into this for me James where has he gone here it is James said he got a text at the weekend saying that his account was overdue from wiser bins James says I he immediately suspected that it was a scam but he said he tried to contact Wiser Bins this morning he said but the phone line is currently busy but he knows for a fact that his account is up to date and he was wondering if we could look into it and find out a little bit more about it. It seems that Wiser had a problem with their computer system and the Wiser own computer system sent out these texts in error. So Wiser Bins are saying to anyone who got a text message to say that your account is overdue to please ignore it. OK, that's from Wiser Bins. And thanks to James in Bantier uh, for uh, drawing our attention to it. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. The long-awaited installation of traffic calming measures at Ballymacork Cross in North Cork, branded as one of the most dangerous junctions in the country, has taken a significant step to becoming a reality. To update, as a man who's been campaigning long and hard to sort out this very dangerous junction, and that's Councillor Bernard Moynihan joins me. Good morning to you, Bernard. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, plans were lodged last uh, month. So where are we now at with Ballymacourt Cross? Well, things have made a significant development in the last number of weeks there. I've been monitoring it, I suppose, on a weekly basis, and it went to onboard Planala, and there was no objections lodged at onboard Planala. That doesn't surprise you. Which means, well, it's fantastic news. Well, there's always a potential for an objection. I would never, you know, I'm long enough in the planning game <laughs> to know that there's always someone who might say, look, this, this, but there was no objection whatsoever which means that there is no impediment now to moving on to uh, uh, securing the land and building the roundabout. And also, I suppose, the money is in place in the 2022 budget uh, from TII, Transport Infrastructure Ireland. This has not been done by Cork County Council. And the, the reason all this is happening is because the community of Bantir and Cantork and Lismire and Rockchapel and the people who are using that junction on a daily basis contacted me, uh, you know, contacted me continuously about that junction. 
and a petition was put in place signed by 4,000 people in excess of 4,000 people. It, a, an analysis was carried out of the junction by senior people with regard to, you know, uh, the, the traffic flow at the junction and the amount of casualties, you know, there was minor accidents and major accidents there. So therefore, it was deemed a very dangerous junction and in need of in need of immediate uh, action. And I suppose we've, we've moved a good step forward now towards a roundabout in, uh, at Ballamacquare Cross. And everyone accepts that that's the way forward, isn't it? A roundabout will, that, will make that junction safer. Absolutely. The, 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 I was talking to the engineer as late as yesterday uh, on this issue and, you know, just clarifying for this morning's meeting, like what's, what's needed to be done now is, I suppose, more uh, just finalising design, you know, getting the design absolutely perfect and acquiring the land and building the roundabout. There is no other major impediment honest to put and, and I would be keeping the pressure on to get it done as, as, as soon as possible now to be honest with you Patricia you know there are minor accidents there all the time and my phone every now and then begins to really hop when something happens at Ballamacquirk and, and it, it, it needs urgent attention and I suppose now with the amount of staycations the amount of people travelling you know there's the amount of you'll see caravans on the road and so forth mm. it's an incredibly busy junction mm, absolutely and I know if my memory serves me right it's back to 2018 uh, when the agreement with Transport Infrastructure Ireland uh, was finally reached to build Ab- this absolutely. Uh, I mean, d- did the pandemic delay things Bernard? I don't think so I think the pandemic you know it, 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 these things take time to get done and you know you have to go through all the design you have to go through all the planning process this is a very complex planning issue because you're very close to the Blackwater. And the Blackwater is one of the most, I suppose, protected rivers in Europe, with the parallel muscle and so forth. Now, you know, the, 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 the six most protected rivers in Europe, I suppose, with regard to uh, development along the river or close to the river is the Munster Blackwater. So, you know, that's really on the Munster Blackwater here, the, the, the junction. Mm. So, but it, it is an incredible, and it's an incredible, I suppose, testament and incredible thanks to the people of, of of all that area who have fought and pushed to get that junction resolved and get the issue sorted out there. Because, you know, the indications are from our senior people who've carried out risk analysis and carried out all the different things. They looked at different ways of putting up maybe ramps or maybe more signage or different things around it they all came up with the idea of a roundabout. Now, it's a very unusual thing in the middle of a country to have a roundabout. There's only one or two or three in the country. So that is an accepted and that is progressing. Mm. You know, and, so and, and, so we're, we're up to compulsory purchase order stage, are we now? Yes, and finalising design. Finalising design as well is ongoing at the moment on Bannon McQuirk. And I suppose I want to say thank you as well, um, and your programme for highlighting this issue back over a long number of years with regard to Bellamacquirk. Well, as you say, we, as you were getting the calls, we were always getting calls in about road accidents or near misses. And what always got to me, uh, Bernard, that's why when I said at the outset I wasn't surprised that there wasn't a flood of objections because local people know how important it is to sort out this junction because there's got to be nothing worse than you getting into your car every morning to drive to work, drive the kids to school, do your shopping, whatever it is, 
and that you have to access this junction and every single time you do it you're fearful with the speed of the cars on the road you're fearful that anything could happen while you're out you know going Absolutely about your, like your daily man. business and Absolutely. that's not good the enough trucks, the trucks coming west there yeah. from Mallow, and your huge volume of trucks now make lorries you know window lorries Monster January all those companies are, have all been in contact with me about it like you know and there's a huge volume of trucks and then people if you're coming out from Cantork and you want to turn back towards we'll say England shop you know it's fairly tricky there to turn back turn left to come out from Cantork and turn right back back west towards Killarney mm. you know it's tricky enough junction so you know I'm all, all I'm doing to be honest Patricia is reflecting what the public are telling me well, well, well done, well done, because you have campaigned long and hard uh, for this. And you're right as well about people, you know, everyone's staycationing at the moment and there's a lot more traffic on our roads and particularly that road with people heading back to, to Kerry, for, for example. And the one thing about staycationers, you've got people driving in an area that they're not aware that this dangerous junction is there. Absolutely. And you've got a huge volume of traffic going back from Mallow, back towards Killarney, back towards Tralee, heading west to carry for, for for holidays, might from Dublin, from Wexford, from all those places. And I mean, there's a huge, in this country at the moment, you know, there's very few people leaving the country on holidays. It's all staycations. They're all staycating in, 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 in various locations. And that is a fantastic development as well for, for, for Ireland, walking holidays, you know, all those kind of holidays are really taking off. So I, I But the downside is our roads are busier. Well, the downside is our roads are very busier and the downside is that the junction at Ballamacquirk, even the Gardaí, I've spoken to the Gardaí about it. The, the Gardaí are concerned about it. They have minor accidents there all the time. You know, there's little tips there in Ballamacquirk and we want to get that, the whole purpose, the whole campaign here is to get that junction safer, get it safer for the people who are using it, uh, who are using it on a daily basis for business, for work, for pleasure, carrying kids to schools, to games, to different things. The whole idea is to get that junction safer. Okay. In total, how much do you expect this project to cost? Well, it will be costing in excess of a million, maybe two million euros. Yes, as much as that. Okay. And a completion date? Are you any... Well, with, I'm, it's now 21, uh, 22. I'd be very hopeful. I'd be, I, I'm very slow to give, um, I suppose, completion dates or dates of that nature because uh, I'd be very slow but I'd be very hopeful to be done by 2023. Okay. All right. So it's all it's all moving in the right direction and in the meantime people need to drive with extreme care if they're uh, coming any, anywhere near that junction. And what about the verges? Have they been cut back? Because I know we'll often get reports in and people yes, saying... Yes, they have been cut have, back okay. and they, they need to be cut back now again. Uh, but there's been severe, an awful lot of growth in the last month with regard to a load of verges. There's been a load of uh, I suppose different junctions that, that need to be cut again they were cut already and a good job was done but it needs to be cut again straight away because Adam McCurk is just one place that, that, that needs to be very very tightly cut and I am following that up as well to get that done as soon as I possibly can I mean the Adam McCurk is you know it's, it's it's one of the most major junctions I suppose in Munster it's, it's identified by the experts as one of the most dangerous junctions in Munster it's identified by the people who carried out all the risk analysis and the examination and so forth of it and therefore you know we need to get it we need to get on with it and push it on and, and try and get it done
Okay. All right. And ultimately save people's lives. Listen, uh, Bernard, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. No problem. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, North Cork uh, Councillor Bernard Moynihan with the very latest on the installation of traffic carrying measures, i.e., a roundabout at Ballymacork Cross. Mary talking about Ballymacork Cross that we just spoke with Councillor Bernard Moynihan about says, Could the council not cut the grass on the margins and do it again? I did ask Bernard that and he said that they are going back out to count uh, to to cut it. He said it was, she, she says, as was confirmed by Bernard. It was cut recently, but it's after growing back again. She also can, cannot never understand why the locals have to keep ringing up the council every time to say, please, will you cut the grass on the Virgin at Ballymacourt Cross so that people can see the cars that are coming. Mary regularly uses that cross at least uh, three times uh, a week. She actually finds nothing at all wrong with it. Surprised to hear that, Mary. She feels that people slowed down, then you'd be able to get across. But therein lies the problem. It's the people on the Mallow to Killarney Road that are speeding by and it's very difficult then for people to try to come out of that cross to get on to the, to the road and that's what has been causing problems. Somebody reckons that drivers, we need to learn how to use roundabouts properly and in particular they're texting in about the roundabout at Canturk. They regularly wit- witness people who are not able to drive properly on roundabouts and another listener uh, doesn't like the roundabout, the Mallow roundabout and the work that took place at the, ra- at the Mallow roundabout this person says if you ask any large vehicle driver who's coming from the town of Mallow and needs to head to Killarney so they need to go straight through that roundabout somebody says that it is very tricky indeed um, yeah I'm, it's a roundabout that I use on a daily basis and, and I can't say I quite understand but then I'm not driving a large vehicle so maybe it's trickier more trickier for large vehicles we were talking about rape in this hour with Mary, Mary Crilly of the Sexual Violence uh, Centre in Cork. Mike in Bantry says that the sentence for rape is simply too lenient in this country and that very much needs to be addressed. Thank you for that, uh, Mike. And when we were talking about 99s earlier on, when I was talking about it came out on the survey of adults across the country who were asked, what, what, what memories do you have of your childhood in the summertime and summer memories and what stands out for you. And one of the top ones that stands out, 48% of people said eating a 99 ice cream cone on a warm sunny day. Uh, Lucy says, Patricia, but are you aware 99s are very hard to get at the moment because you can't get the flakes? Yeah, that's been, now we've been talking about that since the start of the summer. Like she saw one of our own senators, uh, Fine Gael Senator uh, Tim Lombard. He's calling on the Agriculture Minister to intervene to say the traditional 99 cone. Tim Lombard um, was commenting on the ongoing Brexit bite when it comes to the beloved summer uh, treat. Possible problems with flake supply due to Brexit were signalled back in May and it has directly affected the senator himself. He said he tried to get uh, 99s lately and he couldn't get any. They were all came without a flake. He, He says, and I quote, this is from the Daily Mail today, I am told it is an absolute drought. You can't get flakes for love or love or money. He says the agriculture minister must intervene. Senator Tim Lombard asked, how is it that the country which produces the most milk in Europe 
cannot supply itself with uh, flakes. And Tara Buckley of the Retail Grocery uh, Group, um, who we've often spoken with from RG Data, but she's with the Retail Grocery Dairy and Allied Trades Association, said, yes, it is true. There is a shortage of flakes for the 99s. I saw someone over the weekend and they got a twirl and they put a twirl into it instead. But I don't know if that works as well because the flake kind of breaks up much more easily than a twirl does. But uh, there you have our own senator getting the agriculture minister to intervene so that we can hang on to one of our childhood memories and be able to pop into any ice cream store and buy a 99 with a proper flake inside it. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Thank you uh, to people who are sending in uh, lovely messages. Welcome me back and glad to hear that I had a good holiday. I, I really appreciate them. Just to give you some of them, uh, Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, welcome back after your summer holidays. Delighted to hear that you did some exploring of the real West Cork over in the Mizzen Peninsula. Someday, hopefully, you'll get around to visiting the Jewel in the Crown, which according to Michael is the Bearer Peninsula. Then and only then will you see the real spectacular West Cork, uh, where you have the most amazing breathtaking scenery coupled with its colourful towns and villages. A hospitality second to none. Historically, there is a lifetime to digest. Forget your ring of Kerry. It wouldn't come within a NASA's roar of the Ring of Bear. We in Ireland have such an amazing tourist industry, said Michael, which is so, so neglected. It is unbelievable. Thanking news from Michael in beautiful Castletown Bear. And someone else says, welcome back, Patricia. Glad that you enjoyed West Cork. It's the best place in Ireland to go. We were there a few weeks ago. It is a fabulous place, yeah, and I would agree 100%. And the one thing over the weekend as I was sort of catching up and getting back into sort of work mode again and trying to catch up on news items that I'd missed because I tried to take a bit of a break from all of the news over the last uh, fortnight but the one really depressing thing over the weekend was watching what's happening in other parts of the country and in other parts of the world should I say but it made me realise how lucky we are to live in this country and we might give out about this country and we might give out about the government and we might give out about the health service and what's right and what's wrong with the restrictions around COVID but we can be very blessed that we can feel safe in this country when you look at what's happening in other parts of the world. I mean you, you can't help but have huge sympathy for the, the lovely people of Haiti. They've got another earthquake that they are uh, dealing with and I know reading this morning before I came on air that the death toll from the, uh, it was a 7.2 Richter it registered 7.2 on the Richter scale the earthquake in Haiti that the death toll is climbing sharply and they are scrambling to try to find survivors amid the rubble because of course there is a frantic search now to get people out from the rubble because they've got this massive tropical storm approaching. If they're not bad enough, the people of Haiti trying to deal with the earthquake without a tropical storm uh, arriving on top of them. And then I, I am truly deeply saddened when you look at what's happening in Afghanistan and the Taliban leaders marching into Kabul uh, yesterday as they were starting to take full control of Afghanistan. And it's kind of hard to believe that we're back to the situation in Afghanistan. That's two decades after the Taliban 
were removed by the US uh, military. The militant group said it has occupied the presidential palace and it's planning soon to declare a new Islamic emirate of Afghanistan. At the Al Jazeera network broadcasting what it said were live images of armed Taliban fighters roaming the presidential palace and posing at desks uh, earlier. At the, of course we know yesterday the American backed president of Afghanistan fled the country and very much leaving his people and that was just such a for, for the people of Afghanistan to see their president flee and they are left with you know no real way of getting out of the country. The Taliban swept through Afghanistan and they really did it in a matter of weeks which according to some of the newspaper reports today that actually took world leaders by surprise the speed at which the Taliban got organised and were able to take over parts of um, Afghanistan and of course they did it when the country entered this vacuum created by the US and the NATO forces who uh, working and they're all working against this August the 31st deadline that the American President Joe Biden, that's what he put in place to end what has now been America's longest uh, war. So the Taliban Nobody expected anything to happen until at least the 31st of August, but they swept in very, very quickly uh, indeed. In many cases, the the militia encountered little or no resistance from the Afghan US trained military. Key provincial centres close to Kabul and in far-flung corners of the nation fell in very, very quick succession. And then the move to Kabul and seeing the skies over Kabul buzzed yesterday with American military helicopters. They, of course, are ferrying their passengers from the US embassy. The American flag was lowered yesterday. And then the poor Afghanis themselves, they were lining up at cash machines, trying to get as much money out as they possibly could. And then many of them heading to the airport in desperate desperate bid to try to book a flight out of the country and actually looking at some of the scenes coming from the airport this morning it really is quite chaotic people trying to get out the Taliban fighters now control all of Afghan's borders the only way out now is through Kabul's airports and for how long will flights uh, be leaving from there? On Saturday, President Biden defended his decision to withdraw the troops from Afghanistan after 20 years. And of course, remember, they moved in after 9-11. That's what what started the war with Afghanistan, because it was in Afghanistan that the, the plot for 9-11 was started. So uh, President Biden said that he is the fourth president to preside over American troops presence in Afghanistan. There's been two Republican presidents, two Democrat presidents and he said I would not and will not pass this war onto the fifth. So the decision was, was taken to pull out of Afghanistan. And when I was looking at some of the scenes over the weekend, it almost reminded me of Vietnam and if anyone has ever seen the wonderful musical Miss Saigon, you'll know that it all centres around the Americans leaving Vietnam and leaving the people behind and what, you know, the, uh, the, the how scared the people were. And it almost smacked to me a bit of when I was watching what the scenes we were seeing that was coming out over the weekend, that it was almost like the same thing. It's the, it's the decent Afghani people that are being left behind. And of course, when the people of the people themselves those that are most vulnerable are of course going to be the the women I saw a man he was uh, reporting on uh, on a newspaper um, article that I read over the weekend he's he's a business owner in Kabul and he was saying that you know he's so worried 
for himself and for his family and the first thing that he did was he's trying to grow a beard because of course that's one of the things they have to have beards the, the Taliban insist that men don't trim their beards so he's trying to grow his beard as fast as he could and then he said for his wife and daughters they were frantically checking to make sure that there was enough burqas in the house for the girls because of course when the Taliban come back in all of the, the, the men will be permitted to trim their beards and the women will be required to wear the all enveloping burqa cloak if they go out in, in public and you just had this uh, sense of how scared the people are and you know and, and they know they really they know they've no way out and as I say looking at some of the scenes coming out from the airport today there really is a sense of a desperation and we have people from Afghanistan living here in Ireland living here amongst us in Cork and can you imagine what they're going through thinking of their loved ones and thinking of their families in Afghanistan. It it is truly, truly uh, shocking and only time will tell how this particular story is going to unfold. But as I say, it does, would make you kind of glad that we live in, for all what we see as wrong at times with our country, we can be so thankful that we live in this beautiful land of Ireland. 1850 333 103, John Paul taking your course. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 jobs. Qualified electrician is required. It's for domestic and commercial projects. While a rigid truck driver is wanted, it's for part-time work that's in the North Cork area. Dukon Concrete, they're in Canturk. They're looking for general operatives. And we are also looking for a welder slash fabricator. And that's for work in the Newmarket area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, the government have been accused by the Irish Heart Foundation of long fingering the introduction of a nationwide smoky coal ban, with it now not expected until next year at the very earliest. Fianna Fáil Senator Timmy Dooley joins me with his concerns about this delayed uh, legislation. Good morning to you, Timmy. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Okay, how many years now have we been considering introducing a smoky coal, a nationwide smoky coal ban? We've started nearly 20 years ago in introducing the first bans, which were really important at addressing the uh, bronchial health of so many people, particularly in Dublin in the early stages. And then it was extended uh, to a number of cities throughout the country. Um, and it has made an immeasurable difference uh, on the quality of life for so many people. Um, I mean, the estimates in terms of the number of people that have died as a result of particle matter in the air is really significant. Um, and, you know, it's recognised that smoky coal is probably one of the greatest contributors to those particle matters in the air. So it's not, it's not just a, it's not a climate change issue at all, quite frankly, in this one. It's just about um, the bronchial health uh, of, 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 of so many people. And it has and does lead to uh, untimely death. Now, there's been a concentration in the last six or seven years um, around changing the legislation, but there has been some, I think, protestation from certain quarters of the industry um, that uh, that it shouldn't happen and that they would challenge it in the courts, and I think that has prevented some of the government ministers moving on this issue because they wanted to look at extending the ban right across through peat um, and, and wet timber. Now, the amount of... Uh, 
turf that's burnt and the amount of wet timber is relatively small in real terms. The big issue is coal. Mm. Um, and and in, the, in the areas where it has been introduced, like you mentioned these cities, it's gone into some larger urban areas as well. Was there much resistance to it? There wasn't really. I mean, the, the, the town where I'm based at the moment in Ennis has had a smoky coal ban for, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years or longer. Uh, and it has really improved uh, the quality of the air here. But but it does spike on occasion because, quite frankly, there are unscrupulous suppliers of coal who um, bring product across the border um, from, from the north of Ireland and elsewhere. Um, and utilise it and sell it uh, in, in, in the town. It, it's not that it's that much cheaper, quite honestly, um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing that, and, and that's, the, that's the problem here. Um, unless you extend the ban nationwide, you will see that there are some unscrupulous suppliers breaching um, the bans that exist on, on the existing towns. It's a small country at the end of the day, so to suggest that somehow product won't get in to these towns um, is wishful thinking, and that and that's what has happened. So we do even even though Ennis is on the on the ban list for smoky coal, smoky coal does get into the the mix here, um, and and it does we, we do see spikes in in in, in uh, poor air quality uh, at certain times of the year. So you would be agreeing with the Irish Heart Foundation, who are accusing the government of long fingering the the introduction of of this. Uh, smoky coal ban and obviously the Irish Heart Foundation are particularly worried about the premature deaths due to air pollution. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see that what the Irish Heart Foundation have done. Now, I introduced um, a bill last year in the Senate um, to, or earlier this year actually, um, to address this issue which was effectively uh, demanding or if the bill ultimately passes will will ban the, the sale of smoky coal. I do know, and I suppose in fairness to Eamon Ryan, I know that he's he's also trying to address the issue. Uh, I think his uh, approach is too wide. He's looking at, and he has a a consultation underway, a public consultation underway at the minute, but it, it's looking at banning um, both turf and wet timber. And whilst that's perhaps laudable in the long term, I think it will generate too much resistance from certain quarters. Um, there are many people throughout the country who have access to turf and they see it as their right uh, to cut and burn the turf for their own domestic use. And I think anything that would be seen to extend the ban beyond smoky coal itself might be uh, might have a negative effect, actually, because like, like all of these issues, if you can get 90% of it right, um, you're a long ways there. And what, what I wouldn't want to see is that you you turn people off effectively. So there are people who cut timber on their own land and burn it and maybe sell a couple of bags of it in the local town. Mm. That's small scale, quite frankly, and it's, I know there are, that there are potentially harmful effects from the, the, the burning of wet timber and of turf, but, but, but it's, it's, it's so small in terms of the, the, the greater scheme of things that to go and ban it now, you'd, you'd lose too many people if you want in, 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 in the process, and we can't afford to do that. So we look at the, we look at the big picture, we look at the bigger uh, element of the problem, which is the smoky coal. We've banned it successfully in many places already. It's been a success. Um, the success has been, I suppose, tinged with uh, this issue of people bringing it from other areas where it isn't banned into the towns that are banned, and it's, it's impacting on, on the quality of the air. So we've got to get that piece right. And the broader industry, the the the, the you know the, the the good companies, if you want, um, 
have already tooled up for this. They, 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 they're prepared and have invested in the technology to, to manufacture, if you want to use that word, the smokeless coal or the reduced uh, sulfur-emitting coal. Um, and, and they're ready to, 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 to roll out the product. And, you know, so, so there's a supply line there. Um, it just needs the ban. And, you know, there are companies that are threatening to sue the state. And my attitude to that is, well, you know, let, let, let them sue the state when they bring in the ban um, and let them see if, 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 if the courts will support them in that regard. But it is right and appropriate um, in, 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 I think, the minds of, of all that we need to eliminate, to the greatest extent possible, the particle matters in the air that are impacting, that, that, that's effectively uh, impacting uh, in a really negative way on the health of so many. Well, if we're going to save people from uh, from premature death, we are going to save lives. It almost seems like a no-brainer. It, it, it does, but I suppose like anything in, in, in the real world, when it comes to the practical implementation, there are steps and there are people who will challenge that and you know but 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 that shouldn't be a reason not to do it just because there are people challenging it and whilst I you know recognize that Eamon Ryan is is at one with with certainly my thoughts and I think the vast majority of the cabinet are in the same position from from talking to people who are around it and indeed the previous minister Richard Bruton was very much of a mind to 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 have the the ban implemented the the, the concerns about the threat of legal action from those companies um, that uh, produce uh, the, the smoky coal um, felt that it would be an unfair um, impediment on them. You know, it's this free movement of goods, etc., around Europe, because other European countries haven't uh, banned the coal in, in, in this way, uh, that they felt that it was being somewhat uh, predatory on, on, on their particular product. But I think when you, when you, when you look at the... Uh, all the international studies that are done, you see the the scale of of the damage that's done by particle matters in the air. Much of it, uh, or the vast majority of it, uh, coming from smoky coal. It's it's the it's the only way to go. So yeah, I mean we've we've got to keep up the the fight. We've got to keep up the campaign and 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 bring it to to uh, a successful well, and, conclusion. And Dennis, one of our listeners, who's, who's obviously very much in in favour of what you are uh, promoting, says, "Could you please ask Timmy why can't they go the whole hawk and just point blank ban the import of all coal?" Not so, not so easy. Um, there is by being member of of the European Union, the notion of the free movement of goods is probably one of the four fundamental freedoms of, of, of the, or the four fundamental pillars of, of uh, the European Union, the free movement of goods and people, capital. Uh, so, so uh, you know, it's, it's not just as simple as, as, as banning the importation of it um, and recognising now, too, that we have an issue um, across the border um, in the uh, with, with 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 the north of Ireland, the potential for 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 it to be imported there. So I think the the ban on the sale of it is is, is the way to go from our own perspective here here in Ireland. Um, okay, and then w- what about the cost side of it? I can see a couple of texts coming in. Uh, you know, somebody making the point that some houses are very very cold cold, and they need to burn a lot more coal than other houses. Will there be any financial support uh, well, for families? Well, it's not that much. It's not that much dearer. Um, and look, at, we 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 have looked at. We have looked at increasing the fuel allowance uh, in a previous budget in line with the increase in the carbon taxes. So, you know, there are measures there where you can assist people uh, with with um, improving their their heating of their home. Nobody wants to have a situation of fuel poverty. That's that's for sure. We're we're, we're all very clear on that. 
but there's a way to address that. Um, but if if on the one hand we're we're allowing them to burn uh, smoky coal, which is in essence um, leading to premature death, uh, I, I think that's really where you where you've got to look at it from from that perspective. Okay, and when I said in my introduction that it's not expected until next year at the very earliest, are you confident it'll be in place next year? Well, that's based on, I think, on what the, the consultation that the Minister has engaged in, and I would hope that that, that can be brought to, to, to a head much sooner, because what I would like to see is that it be addressed in advance of the coming uh, winter season. There's very little coal being burnt at the minute, but as we move now towards September and October, that's effectively when uh, the bulk of the, the orders take place, so I, I would be hopeful that it should be done sooner, but perhaps it'll drag it'll drag out to next year but we certainly wouldn't want to see it go beyond that Eileen Infamoy isn't happy with smokeless coal she says it's full of what she calls tar it's destroying the chimneys you see lumps of this tar coming down the uh, chimney uh, I'm, I do not like smokeless coal yeah I mean I'm sure there are there are different characteristics to it but the facts of the matter are uh, that uh, smokeless coal emits a lot less particles into the air uh, those particles uh, remain in the air. People breathe them in, and people, certainly people with a compromised uh, bronchial uh, tract or within their breathing systems, uh, do lose their lives as a result of it. It leads to it leads to much greater damage to the heart and to the lungs. Um, so, whilst the you know in some instances perhaps there's. Uh, some issues around its usage in certain in certain conditions. I'm not familiar with those, quite frankly, but I take on board what that caller is saying. But notwithstanding, there's a lot of smokeless coal burnt. Uh, it meets the needs of people generally throughout the country in the areas that the smoke the smoky stuff has been banned. Um, and the quality of their, their lives have improved yeah, very significantly. The, the evidence is certainly there, the isn't it? Yeah. All right, listen, Timmy, we leave it there. Thank you for that and You're thanks for welcome, joining Patricia. us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Fianna Fáil, uh, Senator Timmy uh, Dooley based in Ennis and I can see texts coming in from people agreeing with Senator Dooley. It's long overdue. We need to get rid of smoky coal. But then somebody who's not in agreement says, what is Senator Timmy Dooley saying? Firstly, they banned no smoking in pubs because they said secondary smoke was killing people. Then we were told the virus would kill us and now he's telling us the air will kill us. Uh, These people, i.e. the government, need to stop dictating to us, I will burn what I can afford, says this uh, WhatsApper. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Martin by WhatsApp, just staying on the smoky coal uh, ban, says, welcome back, Patricia. Thank you very much. Uh, China are responsible for 29% of the world's pollution. Ireland is only responsible for 0.01%. They are the uh, facts, but I suppose we'll be told we all have to do our bit uh, Martin thank you for your uh, text and Colm in Botterfant has he reckons an understanding of why there's a delay in the legislation of moving the smoky coal ban and making it nationwide we know it's in the major it's in the cities in the major urban uh, areas he re- says there are millions upon millions of tonnes of coal already in this uh, country that is the reason why the government are not bringing the order in to have a nationwide smoky coal ban. They want to get rid of the stocks that are in place at the moment. And Colm reckons that's why it hasn't been 
extend it but once the stocks are gone he said then we will see the introduction of a nationwide smoky coal ban. Thank you for your call column to 1850 Now moving on because the third annual C103 Cork Volunteer Centre Awards will be held in the Kingsley Hotel on November the 5th. With details of this year's awards, I'm joined by Adam Lacey, who is the placement officer at the Cork Volunteer Centre. Good morning to Adam. Good morning, Patricia. How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well and, and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose start Thank by you. reminding listeners of the purpose behind these annual volunteer awards. Yeah, I suppose the Cork Volunteer Awards, they're a really good opportunity for people across Cork in Cork City and County and to thank those people in their you know, in their villages um, that are doing really good work in volunteering um, and supporting their local communities. So it could be people like in sports clubs or uh, tidy towns groups, Meals on Wheels. Um, and there's 12 different categories this year, so um, lots of opportunities for people to be nominated um, and for people to really thank those people that are making a difference in the communities. Yeah, and what what I really like about the awards, um, Adam, is you've, as you say, there is a, a, a range of categories, but you have winners coming from right across Cork City and County. Exactly, yes. So we have 12 categories. We've got North Cork, East Cork, West Cork. We've got North uh, Cork City and South Cork City. And we've got the Youth Award. We've got the Third Level Student Award. We've got a Group Award, a Sports Award, a Board Member Award. And, but we also have a new award this year, so it's the COVID-19 Special Project Award. Um, and that's a project, or that's an award for any initiatives that were set up uh, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so we're looking for anyone that's maybe um, set up any projects um, and they want some recognition for that um, to get a nomination for that. We've also got the Lifetime Achievement Award. And then out of those 12 uh, winners, C103 will uh, pick the overall volunteer of the year winner. Which is, um, so a, which, is always a, which is always the hardest thing and I exactly. always say I will have nothing to do with the selecting of it <laughs> because each and every one of them are worthy winners and worthy exactly. to be crowned the, the overall winner. Has the pandemic, Adam, really put the spotlight on the incredible work done by volunteers in every community across Cork it City and really County? It has. Like the amount of people that registered last year with us to volunteer and to really support the communities, it was fantastic. Like it was almost double what it was the previous year. Um, so people really wanted to get involved and really wanted to support the communities in whatever way they could, whether it was delivering meals, whether it was helping out friendly call services. Um, like it was fantastic to see and that's continued this year. We still have lots of people that still want to engage and still want to support. So I suppose the awards are really about recognising those people that really made an effort last year, um, especially during such difficult times. So um, we really hope that people will engage and go on our website, volunteercourt.ie, and uh, nominate those people that they think um, are their local heroes. And did you find last year, Adam, that people found themselves with more time on their hands? Maybe, you know, they were out of work uh, because of the pandemic. Exactly. And did they then yeah. look to volunteer? Exactly. So, like, we had a wide range of of, um, of ways, I suppose, that people could get involved. Like, one of them was a lot of organisations were shut down um, and they couldn't actively support their clients face-to-face. Um, there was a lot of virtual opportunities that were available um, all across the county and ways that people could volunteer remotely from home um, and keep safe at the same time. Um, and charities and nonprofits around Cork are starting to slowly open up now and resume services and support their, their service users. Um, so if people do want to get involved in any way, um, there's still lots of opportunities now that are coming up for people to, to engage with and support. So if somebody wants to be a volunteer and they just don't know who or where their skill set would be best used, you can yeah. contact the Volunteer Centre. Is that how it works? Exactly. So we have placement officers in, in Cork Volunteer Centre. So 
So myself and my colleagues, we would can ha- arrange a one-to-one meeting and um, we can have a chat and talk about the skills you may have um, and the areas that you might be best suited in, in volunteering in. Um, we can give you some suggestions then. Um, it could be based on where you live or the skills you have um, of places you can volunteer then. Um, we also have regular meetings um, and have information sessions online um, with organisations. So um, people can tune into those and meet the organisations directly and ask any questions they may have. Um, and you can find out about all those on our social media accounts. Um, so we're on most social media accounts uh, at Volunteer Corp. And everyone has some kind of a skill that they can exactly. share, haven't they, yeah. and that they can use as a volunteer. Exactly. And like whether it's um, being a chatty person, like you might be perfect for something like a friendly call service, or if you have really good computer skills, of course, um, some admin roles that we have. Um, so there's definitely something for everyone. Um, we have outdoor roles, indoor roles, um, and lots of different projects that are happening, um, environmental um, and lots of other different things. So uh, checking out our website is definitely a good first point and giving us a call or sending us an email to arrange um, a meeting is, is, is also a good option as well for you. And you can obviously give as little or as much time as you have. Exactly. That's exactly it, yeah. And like you can, the advertisements are all on our website. You can see the, the amount of time that um, each role would require. Uh, it could be anything from one or two hours a week to um, five hours a week. So it depends on how much free time you have um, and how much time um, the organisation would require your, your help for. And the benefit you get out of volunteering is if you speak to any volunteer, they will all say, won't they, that what they get back is 10 times more than what they put into exactly. it. Exactly. And even with the awards, like people don't go into volunteering to be thanked. Um, like they're so delighted when they get the call from us to say you've won an award. They're, they're so shocked and so surprised <laughs> because they, they don't like they don't expect uh, the praise. They do it very selflessly. So um, I think giving the calls when, when someone's won an award is probably the best part because um, they're, they're over the moon um, when, once they see like the work that they put in is, is being recognised I suppose OK so talk us through how somebody can nominate an individual it's, it's individuals as opposed to organisations so we do have a group award this year so if there's a group of people that you want to nominate um, it could be a meals and meals group or tidy hands group or whatever it is and um, there is a group award this year but the rest of the categories are individual awards Um so if, if people want to nominate, they can go onto our website. It's volunteercork.ie. Um, and there is a tab on that page for special projects. And you'll see the Cork Volunteer Awards under that. So you can read through it and you can nominate the people you want to nominate. And we would encourage um, people to, to start nominating. There's only a couple more weeks left to nominate. Um, and the awards then will take place virtually. Um, very likely that it will be virtual again this year um, on November 5th. Oh, it's going to be another virtual night, is it? I think it'll be the same. Uh, yeah, it's so yeah, hard. It's, to, it's very uh, difficult plan. And, uh, yeah, and, and I know Julie um, Connolly, your manager, and the rest of the gang there, I know you were very much hoping you'd be able to go back to the traditional, having the nice banquet at the, at the Kingsley, but exactly. it's still we're still all up in the air, aren't we, about having large it's events? still very difficult, yeah, to, to plan something like that. And like we really appreciate like Sport of C103 and the Kingsley Hotel, um, who's been fantastic throughout this whole uh, process. Um, and just in terms of the planning um, and our other sponsors as well we've got some fantastic sponsors involved um, so like it's, it's, it's difficult to plan but it's looking like it will be a virtual ceremony again this year yeah. Okay and I know the, the, the there was a virtual one uh, last year and they, it worked I mean I know it's not ideal but it worked really well didn't it? Exactly and we had a great opportunity to, for everyone to meet each other all the winners have a chat and their families and um, the sponsors and, and it was just a great opportunity for people to to kind of come together and celebrate each other 
Um, and it, we'll make it work. You know, like we're we're a good team here in Cork Volunteer Centre, and like with the support of yourselves and our sponsors, um, it'll be another fantastic year this year. So um, the people will be recognised and. Um, will celebrate their achievements. Absolutely. And you and I know you personally need a pat on the back because you were the one who was responsible for the smooth delivery of the <laughs> of the one online, the virtual one. So let's I try my best, let's yeah. let, let's call you out on that and <laughs> Adam. Okay, just once Thank again you. the the website address for people to, to nominate or to get involved. So it is volunteercork.ie volunteercork.ie Listen Adam thank you for that and hi to thank all of the gang so at the Volunteer Centre thanks for joining us uh, Good bye morning bye. to you bye bye that is Adam Lacey Placement Officer at the Cork Volunteer Centre do you know of somebody in your community that deserves to be recognised please please uh, nominate them should have at the start of the programme uh, send congratulations to our Skibbereen rowers more victory at the weekend and lovely pictures in the papers today of Fintan McCarthy and Paul O'Donnell of them after their victory at the Henley Regatta yesterday and actually Paul O'Donovan had jested beforehand that winning the Henley Regatta and not the gold in the Tokyo Olympics was what the year was really all about for himself and uh, Finton. He said yeah we've been banging on about it all week this is the highlight of the season for us, bearing in mind that Paul O'Donovan lost that very same final in 2018. It was his only other Henley appearance and at that stage of course he was rowing with his older brother uh, Gary uh, but they missed out on the win on that day and it was only when I was listening to the news earlier this morning and I heard Barry reporting on this win in Henley Regatta yesterday that's the first time Irish rowers have won this race in uh, Henley so that's another feather in the cap for Fintan McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan congratulations uh, to them and just staying on uh, Tokyo don't know if many people over the weekend uh, spotted on social media the picture of the Irish Olympian Jack uh, Woolley. Jack Woolley was the young guy who competed in Tokyo in Taekwondo. And I remember I it brought a tear to my eyes when I was watching him in uh, Tokyo. He didn't perform as well as he felt he could perform and he got knocked out in the first round. And I remember when he was doing his piece to camera, he was crying and he said that he felt that he'd left so many people down. It was just heartbreaking to watch this young lad. Well, he's... Went, he went, pictures of him appeared on social media over the weekend and they're picked up in a lot of the papers there. actually some of the tabloid papers have some of the, the worst photographs uh, of it and this is because he's, a, he's only 22, he's from Tala he was out in Dublin City with some friends at the weekend and he was physically assaulted, he ended up having to go undergo surgery at the weekend on his upper lip at St James's uh, Hospital. He was assaulted on Friday night. He was immediately taken to hospital uh, for treatment for injuries to his face and a picture he himself posted shortly after the assault showed him sitting on the ground with injuries to his face, large amount of blood on his shirt, on his clothes, on his face, on his uh, hands and he put up a post saying that he'd been given a a soccer punch was how he uh, described it while out in Dublin city centre. The injury required a number of temporary stitches to his upper lip. He also had to have some plastic surgery uh, done. He was crossing the road in the city centre when out of nowhere somebody came, punched him uh, in the face, uh, an individual, and then ran off. Now, he wasn't the only one who was targeted. I think there was a gang of about 12 people just sort of running down, punching, just indiscriminately, it seemed to be punching people. But... um, 
Jack Woolley just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But to see the damage that was done to him from one uh, punch and, you know, bearing in mind that here's a young lad, you know, a taekwondo expert, but they are trained and the discipline that comes with it, you know, there's no way he was even going to fight back. And even even if he thought about fighting back, he couldn't have had because the coward that was who came up, you know, sucker punched him into the face and then took off you know, knocked him to the ground. He didn't, he barely knew what had hit him. But the injuries he has been left with is quite uh, horrific. It is scary to think that that can happen on the streets of our capital on a normal uh, Friday night. Absolutely shocking. Eight, and we wish him well in his recovery. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I can already see some questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming because she'll be joining us in the next hour. Let's take a break though and head to the newsroom for news at 12 midday. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming into me just as about to read them. The text messages have disappeared in front of me. Hi, they're back. Okay, this is on when I mentioned the situation, the really sad, awful situation of what's happening in Afghanistan with the Taliban leaders. Uh, taking o- over as the Americans and NATO uh, pulled out. Pat says, uh, Patricia, you're talking about the poor Afghan people. If England and America stayed out of countries, there wouldn't be any trouble, says Pat. Now, I don't know if you can quite say that about what's good, the situation in Afghanistan, because when the Americans moved in some 20 years ago, after what happened with uh, 9-11, they brought you know an end to a bu- brutal regime for the Afghani people. So the, the Afghan people certainly are not happy about the Americans and NATO pulling out because they know what the situation is going to be like and they know what they're going to return to and remember when we look at the regime of the Taliban it is the Afghan women who are going to be the big big uh, victims Uh, Thank you for your text Eddie in Bandon said the President of Afghan of Afghanistan leaving at the weekend reminded Eddie, of what it was like here in Ireland at the time of the flight of the Earls and the Irish then having to, in what the Irish then had to endure for the next hundred years. We have been in a similar situation and luckily we did get out of it. But thoughts, says Eddie in Bandon, very much with the people of Afghanistan. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. OK, uh, we had the Cork Senior Hurlers are going for their first All-Ireland title since 2005. And I couldn't believe that it was 2005 was the last time. And that was, we remember that match when Sean O'Halpin led the Rebels to All-Ireland glory. But it's hard to believe that uh, we've waited 16 years for the Lee McCarthy to come back to uh, Cork. Now we know that there's going to be reduced capacity at Croke Park for the final. So we're all trying to do our bit here at home to show the team that will all be glued to radios and and TVs or online or on your phone uh, to cheer on the Rebels next weekend and we want to do our bit here at C103 to get behind the All-Ireland hurling finalists and we're very much looking for your help. We're asking you to show your support by decorating your house or decorating your business and obviously doing it in the Cork colours. Get out your flags, get out your bunting. You can be as creative 
as you want. So you decorate your house, your business, your premises, take a photograph of it and then we need you to WhatsApp the photograph of your creation and get it into us and by sending in the photograph you're in with the chance of winning €500. We're going to give out two prizes. There will be €500 to the best decorated house and then there will be €500 to the best decorated business. Now you need to get working on this because we are going to announce the winners on this Thursday evening. So you WhatsApp your photos to 0862 103103 and stay listening all week and check in with us online because we'll be posting up some of the pictures as they start to arrive. So get working on that and we're teaming up with our sister station Corks 96 FM along with us here at C103 for this competition. So be as creative as you can but let's show the boys that we are behind them one 100% and I'm already starting to see the flags appearing and it's terrific to see it it's just lovely to see it and it's, I, I think it's giving it the hurling team I think it's giving us all a little bit of a lift and God knows we could do with a little bit of a lift at the moment so WhatsApp your photographs please of your house or your business uh, premises be decked in red and white and get it into us please as soon as possible let's stay on the theme of GAA for the moment because a listener says Patricia did you see what the Dublin player did to a Mayo player on Saturday? The young lad has ended up having to go for surgery and what this texter is talking about for those that watched the match you'll be aware of this it's the Mayo defender Owen McLaughlin he uh, has undergone surgery for a double draw jaw fracture. He was in collision with Dublin's John Small in Saturday's All-Ireland semi-final and he ended up having a double fracture which is incredibly painful and if you he had to be he was removed actually on a motorised uh, stretcher and you could clearly see that this young Owen McLaughlin the, the distress that he was in and then the Dublin player John Small avoided a card for the incident it saw his shoulder connect with Owen McLaughlin's face on impact now according to Column keys in the Irish Independent if seen properly by the referee it may well have been deemed a red card in real time. It looked like a challenge was only slightly off but replays shows that there was a much more forcible contact with Owen McLaughlin's head and to end up with a double jaw fracture. By God, that was some contact uh, in indeed. Uh, so we wish young Owen McLaughlin the very best on his road to uh, recovery. And of course, Kerry's flexibility and understanding uh, are, we're, we're being told was key to the GAA decision to further delay the All-Ireland Senior Football semi-final. And this, of course, as we know, is because the Tyrone team has been hit by COVID. The GAA last night confirmed that the now now twice postponed semi-final will now take place on Saturday, August the 28th. And of course, that means the All-Ireland final has to be rescheduled and that instead will run on September, Saturday, September the 11th, two weeks later than was scheduled. Of course, that delay also means that Mayo who, as we've just mentioned, ended Dublin's six-year monopoly on Sam Maguire. They'll have a four-week wait before that decider actually happens. And in the face of some Croke Park 
opposition to another semi-final postponement, CMEs was Kerry, who opened the door to a resolution declaring they were willing, if not happy, to wait another week to allow the Tyrone players prepare properly for the game. It seems that there are 17 COVID cases on the Tyrone team. Sources say Kerry were dead set against simply accepting a walkover. Because I was listening to some media coverage at the weekend when it came out that Tyrone wasn't going to be able to play the match because of the increase in the COVID cases. And some of our media were reporting that Kerry were going to get a walk over to the final. Some were, you know, even without the GAA ever saying it, some people assumed that that's what was going to happen. But Kerry said, no way. They're dead, absolutely dead against uh, a walk over. The chairman of Kerry GAA, Tim Murphy, says, Our overarching wish is to ensure that the All Ireland semi final is played at the earliest possible opportunity. They say every All Ireland title that Kerry has won has been hard earned after a tough competitive campaign and we expect this year to be no different. So Croke Park then came out and said the revised schedule has been finalised with the integrity of the championship in mind and to ensure that Kerry was not denied a semi-final outing. So the new dates, as I say, have been the semi-final now will be August the 28th with the All-Ireland football final down for September 11th. We wish all teams involved the very best of luck. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. There was a lovely text in just to give a mention to this. This was before I went away on my summer break. There was a listener that contacted us who was looking to get a little dog. And if my memory serves me right, the lady was saying that she had tried to go for a rescue dog, but it was a small dog that she was looking for. And she was worried about the history of a rescue dog and if they would come with any problems. And when she tried to buy a new a dog or a pup, the prices were, were just astronomical. But she wanted the little dog who would be company for her, sit up on the seat beside her, maybe go for a bit of a drive with her in the car, or more than anything, would encourage her to go out for walks because the dog would need exercise and that means the owner would get some exercise too. Well, lo and behold, that lady is back on to say, just to let you know, I managed to get myself a little dog. She is a little Jack Russell called Tory Top. I've had her two weeks now and she has filled my life with joy. She is just so clever. She already does high fives and is practically house trained at only 10 weeks of age. She's no bigger than a guinea pig. Once she's had her second vaccination, we'll be hitting the highways and byways of Ireland. Isn't that lovely? And the company that you can get from a, a dog, long, long May. That companionship between you and your little Jack Russell Tory top. Long, long may it continue. That text when I saw it this morning just made me smile. So thank you for that on a Monday. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We are looking for your nutritional questions, please. Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, uh, will join us after half past 12 today. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Historical events are taking place in McCroom. It's part of Heritage Week. People are asked to meet at the former Church of Ireland on Castle Street in McCroom next Sunday for events that will run from 2pm to 4.30pm. Pre-booking is required on 086 87 
The staff of Redcliffe Family Hub will provide emergency accommodation to families experiencing homelessness in Cork, will take part in a skydive on Saturday the 18th of September. It's in an effort to raise funds for the centre. You can contribute to their fundraising event through their I Donate page, which is Redcliffe Family Hub. And Focus Ireland have organised a Coron Tool hike for 2021. It's planned for August the 29th and it's a chance to raise funds for Focus Ireland and also to challenge yourself and hike to the highest point in Ireland to register. Please go to events at focusireland.ie Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie I mentioned the lady who had contacted us because she was looking for a dog before a little dog to keep her company before I went away on holidays and she regaled us with the lovely story of getting her little Tory top a little Jack Russell and how they've bonded already and she was nervous at the time about taking on a rescue dog because she was afraid of the history of the rescue dog and what if it arrived into her house with problems that she wouldn't be able to address. A listener says, a rescue uh, dog, I would take a rescue dog over a bought one any day of the week. Rescue dogs simply ooze love. You show them love, they will be your soulmate forever. If they do have any insecurity issues, they, that will only be due to the way they were treated by their last owners. They will get over that. A loving home is all they really need. Please, please rescue a dog. Don't buy one. And that comes in from a dog lover in West Cork. Thank you for that. That's a really sweet uh, text. And, and I've heard that from so many people who say when you rescue a dog, the love that you get back from a rescue dog, it's as if they know they've been given a second chance. When I was talking about flakes and the shortage of flakes for your 99s, Ross says there's no shortage of flakes. You can get them in Aldi or in Little. Yeah, you can buy them for home but I think it's the commercial ones that are sold in shops where there seems to be uh, a difficulty. Hi Patricia, welcome uh, back, uh, says this uh, texter. You were talking earlier about special memories and what was special memories of growing up and of summertime. Well, one of my most special memories, says this texter, was when I made my first Holy Communion. We're all terribly upset over our own children's first Holy Communion at the moment. It's in Barry Row Parish. It was supposed to be the 28th Saturday day week. It's been cancelled three times last year. Some of the little children are now over 10 and we're all very anxious and we're all very upset about it. People need to get together. The priests need to start giving out First Holy Communion to these uh, children. We don't want parties. because that's the fear of First Holy Communion is that there'll be big parties afterwards. We just want our children to make their First Holy Communion. Why are weddings allowed and First Holy Communions and confirmation ceremonies are not allowed to go ahead? Please, please pray that it goes ahead. And that signed a very upset uh, parent. Yeah, there are some families are really struggling with the fact that their children haven't been able to make their First Holy Communion. I heard one of the sweetest uh, things that happened at... It was back during the lockdown, during uh, the mass of a man in Dublin. Much loved dad and uh, grandfather. And one of his grandchildren was doing one of the prayers of the faithful at mass. And during the prayers of the faithful, the, the little lad mentioned that his granddad had so wished that he'd be there for his first Holy Communion. But the little fellow's first Holy Communion had been cancelled the previous year. And the the, the little lad was referencing the fact that his granddad now was going to miss his first Holy Communion and the priest who was doing the Mass 
called the little boy over and said, would you like to make your first Holy Communion today at your granddad's funeral mass? And obviously the parents said, could we do that? He said, we can. And he received his first Holy Communion there with, in a way with his granddad pre- present. And I thought, goodness, what a kind hearted priest to jump in and to offer that. So I don't know if that's a possibility for people who are concerned. You know, this is a very upset parent, somebody who's really concerned that their child hasn't made their first Holy Communion. Could you go to your local priest and say, could I bring my Johnny or my Mary to Mass next Sunday. They've done all the preparatory work at school and let them make their first Holy Communion at a Sunday Mass. I don't know if that's possible or not, but maybe it might be something that you could consider speaking to your local parish priest uh, about because we are getting some texts in from people who are really troubled by the fact that their sons and daughters haven't made their first Holy uh, Communion. Andy was on to us. These are some of your WhatsApps coming into us. Andy was on to say, hi Patricia, just wondering, is it possible that the scam calls that are doing the rounds could have half your own phone number in its number with then the other half a different number. I've been receiving scam calls and they're coming from an 085 number they're claiming A to be from the Department of Social Protection got another one claiming to be from the Bank of Ireland and then I had another one claiming to be a public service and asking me to press one. I'm just wondering what should I do? What would your listeners uh, recommend? No, yeah that's just a coincidence Andy that your phone part of your the same number just happens to be the same number as yours. Remember, they're all computer generated. I, I told the story a couple of weeks ago how my my telephone number has been used, spoofing it's called, where my number came up on somebody's mobile phone as a scam call. Now, obviously, it wasn't me ringing, but they'd spoofed, they'd taken my number. And again, it had just been computer generated and put it in to look like the phone call was coming for me but of course uh, it wasn't so no it's, 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 got, it's just more of a coincidence that some of the numbers are ending up looking like your own what can you do about it I'd, I'd love to say that there's a simple solution but there isn't we're being plagued with these scam calls and scam uh, texts if you have a smartphone you can block the number every time it comes in but you could be doing that forevermore. The best piece of advice is don't answer it at all. Just let it ring out because we've learned over time that if you do answer it and I mean, you don't and then you realise it's a scam call, you hang up. But by answering it, they then know that this is a genuine number because remember when they're computer generating the numbers to ring, they don't know if this number exists or not. They The computer might generate 10,000 different telephone numbers and only a hundred of them might actually be real calls because it's all been done by computers that are doing it. It isn't somebody dialing out at your number. So they don't care how many times the computer tries until they actually get somebody. So, and it's it's frustrating if your number is ringing constantly with these scam uh, calls. We seem to get a run on them. You'll get a week where you're getting a lot of them and then it'll go quiet for another while. I mean, only yesterday I got, and I don't get that many of them. And now the very fact I've said that, I'll probably end up getting plagued with them. But I I got a text message and actually so did my husband, funnily enough. Uh, We both got text messages saying that there had been unusual activity on our Bank of Ireland bank account and wanting us to click on a link to find out to verify was it us or not. The thing is, neither of us have a Bank of Ireland bank account, so we instantly knew that it was a scam. But I can see how people in a panic might might hit the number. That's why we are at pains to constantly talk about these scams, to keep getting the message out to people, to please be very, very careful. As I always say, and I started this probably in the last year, I don't answer calls of numbers that I don't know. If it's somebody who genuinely is trying to get through to me, then they'll leave a message and 
then I can uh, respond. That probably is the safest uh, way. But how do you stop them? until these scam artists stop doing it there's no other way to stop them but it really is it is probably one of the most frustrating things that people uh, complain about so somebody says um, Trish I'm getting these scam calls every single day I delete it all of the time but they keep coming back well yeah deleting is the way to go but if you've got a smartphone there's also a way that you can block it that I, I don't know how much it helps, but I always, that's what I try and do. I block it and then I, I delete it. And that does seem to uh, work. And once, listen, they have loads of different numbers and that they can use again. But the best one is to try your very, very best in not to answer it. Because, but just even by answering, while they won't take any money from you unless you engage with them, but by answering it, it registered on their computer that it is a real number and you could be open to a lot more calls that way. 1850-333-103. I mentioned what happened with that poor Mayo player and his double jaw, his jaw having a double fracture in his uh, jaw. Uh, John says, I hope that that Mayo player will sue the Dublin player that broke his jaw in two places. Is that is that possible that somebody could do that? Something that happened on, on the pitch? Could you actually sue somebody for the injuries? I don't know. Uh, Jonathan McCroom, he also uh, says, you're mentioning supporting the Cork team by putting up your flags and decorating your house and getting out your bunting. I tried to buy a flag yesterday and they wanted €10 for it. I'm telling you now, I had to leave it. Why don't you give out C103 flags and then we'll be able to put them up? I'll try and put that to the powers that be for you, uh, John. €10, is that the going rate? I I wonder, is that a very big flag? Because another listener tried to buy flags. This is a listener in Formoy. Went out to try to buy flags for Cork to decorate the house. Not one shop had them. I went to Deals, I went to Hanley's, I went to Birmingham's. I couldn't get a Cork flag. Uh, can somebody in Formoy please start selling flags? I saw a guy on a very, very wet, either Saturday or Sunday, in Mallowtown selling flags. I think it must have been Saturday when it was miserable, miserable weather. And the poor guy was out there with all the different kinds of flags. And I don't know how many he sold now, but it was certainly a miserable day uh, for it. I don't know what shops are actually selling them. Does anybody know in Formoy where our listener can actually buy flags, uh, please. And I can already see a couple of photographs coming up Cork. There's a great photograph in from Anne of, that looks like, is that a boxer dog? Beautiful dog with a, with a big Cork flag and he's holding the flagpole in his mouth. This really is, it's a, it's a terrific uh, photograph. And somebody else sending on a uh, photograph of the, you know, the red flag with the, the what's the name of that flag with the with the moon and the star on it uh, to say uh, Patricia beat this I'm thrilled to be home safe and delighted to be a rebel these flags made it through security in uh, Turkey in Istanbul Dublin Cork and Middleton and today it's on my kitchen table in Middleton Rebels Abu thank you for that 1850 And what else is coming into us? They are questions for Annalise. Thank you for that. We spoke about volunteers earlier and I was saying that any volunteer I have ever spoken to will always talk about what they get back. They may give up hours upon hours. 
for many weeks and many months and many years of their life and they all talk about what they get back from volunteering. Liz Down says, Patricia, I'm 42 years this year as a volunteer with the Mitchellstown Girl Guides. Isn't that terrific? No money could buy the friendship and the life experience that I've learned through volunteering. The fun and the laughter that we've had with the girls and the leaders will remain with me forever, says Liz Downs. Well done, Liz. And that's a remarkable record. 42 years volunteering with the Mitchestown Girl Guides. The Mitchestown Girl Guides are extremely lucky to have you, Liz. That is for sure. And then somebody else is sending in a text and wondering about working for home, home and going back into the office and we know there's talks about people returning to the office from maybe September. But then there's also talk about will there be blended working? Will you be in the office so many days a week at home so many days in the week? Will other offices decide they're going to leave their workers at home? This listener isn't happy about working from home and says, hi, Patricia, uh, just to say I'm very fearful of all this new working from home rule. I feel people should be encouraged to go back into the office and back to their place in work as they did before COVID. Surely it is the lesser of two evils. As with any new law, we could end up with massive depressive episodes. It could also lead to marriage breakdown if people aren't getting on as well at home by being in the house all day if both husband and wife are working together. So that's somebody very much against, very much against working from uh, home. And just a final one on roundabouts when we were discussing roundabouts earlier. Hi Patricia, I was coming out of Yall yesterday and coming up to the roundabout. There were 10 cars and out of those 10 cars there was only one that actually knew how to use their indicators to correctly navigate the roundabout. Oh my God, I was so frustrated. You know, we're supposed to be psychic and guess where they're going, where the car in front, what exit are they going to turn off from? And then you had a driver behind you that's impatient and wants you to take a chance. Anyway, that's my rant over. Have a great day, guys, and a great day back to you as well. Thank you for that. 1850 Let's take a break. Let's come back and have all your questions Answered by Annalise Drussell, a nutrition therapist. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Town Square in Balancholic uh, joining me this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let me get straight into questions. And there is kind of two questions come in from different listeners, but they are similar. So I might. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just put the two of them together. One listener says, hi, I've got what this listener is describing as a thick white coated on the top of my tongue. It has a blister on it. It's very dry. What would Annalise recommend? And then another listener says, could Annalise explain what causes canker sores of the mouth and how to prevent them? Because I get them quite a lot. And I'm imagining it's the same thing happening to both to two different listeners. Um. Possibly is, Patricia, but the thick white coating is an interesting one now as well. The tongue actually is a very good indicator of health um, and health of the digestive system particularly. In actual fact, Chinese medicine, they use the tongue to diagnose various different things. But often when you have a thick white coating on the tongue, um, it will indicate some digestive difficulties. People will often notice it maybe after an antibiotic, Patricia, Mm. and it can kind of come away if they scrape it. It's like a kind of a thick white and sometimes it's got a yellowish tinge as well. So actually one of the best things for that is something like uh, washing your mouth out with um, grapefruit seed extract, which is a great kind of natural antibacterial antifungal. And it does help kind of, you know, clean the mouth in a very natural way. Don't swallow it down. Just give yourself a good mouth rinse with it. So that would be good for the coating on the tongue. And then, of course, you need to get the digestive uh, system sorted if that's what's driving the problem. So that definitely is not the right answer, though, for the mouth sores, the canker sores are a blister because it is very acidic, so it will sting. Um, But often my experience is with people who suffer from those recurrent mouth ulcers or canker sores, as they're called. It's actually sometimes an allergic reaction to a lot of um, a chemical that's in a lot of toothpaste that we use. It's called sodium lauryl sulfate. And people probably have heard of sodium lauryl sulfate because it's a big one in terms of skin allergies as well, people will find. Um, So uh, in order to um, get a good toothpaste, you need to go to a health shop and get a natural one that would be minus those, that sodium lauryl sulfate. And then using a good mouthwash again for canker sores can help. Dr. Delish Clare does a lovely one that has got some myrrh in there, which is really very, very healing for the mouth. So that works well too. 
And the last thing then that I would recommend for the health of the mouth is to do something called oil pulling. And this is where you put oil in the mouth and you basically swish it around for about 10 minutes. Now, the best oil to use is coconut oil because coconut oil has kind of a natural antifungal in there. Um, So that's a great one, particularly for coating on the mouth. It's brilliant for people as well, Patricia, who would suffer from something called Sorgren syndrome, which means that your mucus-producing cells are not producing good mucus and everything is very, very dry. So this can be great for people who suffer from dry mouth because of Sorgren syndrome. So that would be another good one. You can buy coconut oil in the uh, liquid form as well by a company called Nature's Aid. They do a liquid one, but you could always just, you need about a tablespoon of it. You could just put the tablespoon in and just allow it. And I just, yeah, I've, I've done that. It just dissolves in your mouth and then you can swish it around. Exactly. And because it's coconut oil, it doesn't taste that bad. No, it doesn't. And don't follow it afterwards because it does kind of get all the gunk and bacteria out from between teeth and that. So just spit it out. It's not good to swallow. Okay. Somebody else is talking about uh, uh, codial silver, colloidal silver silver that you've mentioned in the past um, and to to spray in your mouth. The sister says that they Googled it and it wasn't recommended for spraying in the mouth. She's wondering how safe is it to spray it in the mouth? Yeah, there's been a lot of controversy, Patricia, about colloidal silver. I mean, there was um, a man who claimed he went blue from taking silver, um, too much silver. Uh, I think if you Google that on the internet, blue man on silver, you'll find him. So um, the the silver in colloidal silver is tiny, tiny nanoparticles. So it shouldn't, I mean, unless you're using a huge amount of it on a, for over a very, very long period of time, it's not going to be um, cause any problems. Like we do have lots of other metal particles that come into our bodies all of the time and our bodies can get rid of it if there's not a huge amount. So with colloidal silver, that's the whole thing. It is just they are such tiny, tiny nanoparticles of silver that the total concentration isn't a lot. But it's not something you should be using, you know, very frequently for a long-term period. Colloidal silver is generally meant to treat a problem. So if you've got a cut, you can spray it on to keep it clean and prevent it being a bacteria. If you have a sore throat, you can use it for that, or if you have a mouth ulcer. But it's not technically something that you're supposed to use, you know, regularly, all day, every day. Otherwise, it's safe. Okay. Hi. Question for Annalise, uh, please. What is best to do when stomach seems to have too much acid, and how do you prevent stomach ulcers? Okay. So stomach acid is actually really important for us because it kickstarts the whole process of digestion. And actually protein digests for about four hours in the stomach before it leaves. So it's very important to have a good, strong stomach acid that will activate all the enzymes to do that protein digestion. But for some people, they either produce too much stomach acid or the other problem is that they have a problem with the mucus-producing cells of the stomach. And the stomach doesn't have that lovely thick lining of mucus that protects it from the acid when it's released. Um, So if you have too much stomach acid, you can get symptoms of of too much acidity. You might get a little bit of reflux or heartburn. But if you have a nice, good, thick layer of mucus that protects your stomach, it shouldn't really cause much of an issue in terms of giving you an ulcer. It's only when it can actually reach the lining of the stomach that it can start eroding it. So, um, you know, there's no need to treat it unless you're actually suffering from either of those symptoms. And then if you've got a problem with the little valve that um, allows acid to leak up, it doesn't, it, you can feel like you've got too much acid, but it may not necessarily be the case. A lot of people actually have too little acid, Patricia. So how you will know the difference would be, you'll probably still get the same symptoms, 
But if you've got too little stomach acid, you really struggle to digest protein. So you'll notice if you have uh, eat a steak, it'll sit there for a very long time. Your stool might be a little bit sticky and clay-like, or you may suffer from constipation. If you've too much stomach acid, that's not going to be the case. Um, you'll have no problem digesting protein. So that's um, a rough way of, of um, determining. Now, too much stomach acid, you can... Um, Neutralize it immediately by taking a glass of milk or bread soda because the alkalinity of that will cancel out the acidity of stomach acid. Um, So that's a very quick uh, cure for for, um, any problems. But in the long term, what you really want to do is you want to make sure that little valve is nice and tightly closed and you want to make sure that the cells of the stomach lining can produce a thick layer of mucus. So zinc carnosin is a great supplement. It's spelled C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. And that is good for both the health of the mucus-producing cells and to help tighten up that little muscle. So that would be good for either people who have too much or too little stomach acid. And then if you do feel that you've got um, a little bit of erosion of the lining, slippery elm is wonderful to protect it. It takes the place of the mucus that is normally produced and it gives a kind of a big mucology layer look that lines the stomach and the esophagus. So you could take that for a couple of months as well until you feel the symptoms abate. And neither of those will interfere with your own ability then to digest proteins. So they shouldn't have any long-term effects. Okay, poor old Catherine has a very bad kidney infection. Oh God, my heart goes out to you. She's been on antibiotics a week tomorrow, but she still has pain in her stomach and in her back. She's wondering, should she go back to her GP? Should the antibiotic have worked uh, by now? Or will she need another antibiotic? Any advice, please? difficult one there Patricia I'd say she probably possibly if, if the pain has lessened she's on the mend um, but if it isn't really if it's still quite painful she probably does need another antibiotic the problem with taking antibiotics for kidney and kidney infections often is that they can set you up for the next kidney infection and they're not always very effective either because doctors tend to try and use the less da- da- you know damaging broad spectrum ones so one of the best combinations naturally and it works really well and you can take it with an antibiotic is to do a combination of the um, cranberry extract with a good probiotic that puts the good bacteria back in and these good bacteria then will crowd out the bad guys and the second thing to add to that then is something called demanose demanose is a sugar that prevents the bacteria forming a kind of a spike that they use to hook in and attach themselves to cells so effectively what it does is it makes it very slidey for the for the kidney infection causing bacteria to stick on and multiply so if they can slide off and you can get rid of them it decreases their numbers they're not able to grow and then the good bacteria occupy all the space and crowd them out so that's the best combination dr claire also does a blend called cystone c-y-s-t-o-n-e and that's a great one if you're suffering from cystitis or kidney infection to take the pain away very quickly so that's the dr claire cystone demanos You'd want to take it three times a day while you've got an infection and then once a day afterwards for at least a month to two months to restore the health of the kidneys. And then something that has got cranberry extract and bacteria in there like Quest Cranbiotics is a good one. And again, three times a day for treatment and once a day then for maintenance for a couple of months to restore the health of the kidneys. Because it really is painful. It really is painful. Here's an interesting one from Maria. She'd appreciate any advice you could you could give. She said, I get cramps in my legs. It's happened twice in the last year. 
I stiffen up. It, it seems to be very much from my lower back and down into my legs. I end up looking like I'm an old person. I'm actually only in my 20s. It can last for about a week and then it goes away. Would you have any idea what would be causing something like that? It starts off as cramps in the leg and then moves to the lower back. And then it's almost like she's in spasm for about a week. Yeah, that's a, that could be any number of things, Patricia. And the thing is, it's not predictable either. So, um, like, magnesium is one of the things I'd often recommend for cramps in legs or muscles that tend to cramp because that tends to be the deficiency. Another reason that you might be cramping in muscles is an iron deficiency. So magnesium and iron would be ne- nearly the first two that I would recommend. But then people get them far more frequently, so it makes sense to take magnesium or iron if you need it. Uh, whereas if it's unpredictable, it's very hard to prepare yourself. Now, taking magnesium when you get the muscle cramps and putting rubbing a magnesium oil in maybe will prevent it from going into further spasm and affecting the back. But in the in this instance, Patricia, it sounds to me like there is something that's getting trapped because um, that often happens that a nerve that is maybe not providing the full nerve um, down into the legs can cause kind of cramping, tingling sometimes, some people complain of numbness and it might be that you maybe have overextended something that has just pressed on a, on a nerve and that can refer up into the back or actually often most commonly what happens is a, a back twinge will refer down into the legs. And when it's a very rare occurrence, I think it could possibly be more likely. So look, for the, for the short term, um, when you do feel it coming on, start taking a high dose of magnesium and rub magnesium oil into the legs. But for people who do suffer from those restless legs or the, the cramps in legs, magnesium or iron deficiency is often the cause of those. Okay, all right. And you'll put up all of the products that you mentioned on your website uh, this afternoon, healthhubstore.com and we'll speak to you next Monday. That's great. Thanks, Thanks for Patricia. that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is the lovely Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Store, Times Square in Ballancolic. Her website, healthhubstore.com. And I know John Paul will also put up our chat with Annalise later on in the afternoon as a separate podcast because I'm very aware of every time we do ourselves with Annalise, people don't always have pen and paper and don't always hear exactly what Annalise suggested. So you can either go to her own website or you can uh, pop on online to C103 and you can listen to it as a podcast. Some of your final calls uh, coming in from on flags and we're trying to encourage people to decorate their houses and their business premises to support the hurlers. Uh, um, so Mary says is also talking about what John had suggested that the flags are simply too expensive. Mary said I priced a small flag uh, yesterday and I was being asked for 12 euro sadly that is way too pricey for me and then for people who are looking for flags there is a man in Butterfant selling flags across from the Garda station also guys selling on the streets in most big towns up Cork if you want to get flags that's for the people who are having difficulty locating flags they are available someone else says on the dubs and what happened to that young lad with his jaw double fracture of his jaw typical dubs sorely losers it was a disgrace the way that lad's jaw was broken they couldn't believe that they had lost they were too cocky and another listener says I'm so proud of Kerry they would want to play in a semi-final all the Kerry lads proud of you and that's from a Kerry woman living in Newmarket who says up the dubs and up Rathmore Paul's Rathmore's Paul Murphy will bring Sam back. Okay, that's where uh, we leave it for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara 
for producing the uh, programme. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for Tuesday's edition of the programme at uh, 10. And to that, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.